0: Hello, my name's Stuart Miles, and welcome to the Pocket Lent Podcast. Google's held its annual developer conference this week and kicked off the show with a keynote packed full of announcements, giving developers and manufacturers the chance to understand what's coming down the road so they can get ready for when Android and other features start to roll out later this year. And this year we saw a bumper, yeah, a bumper crop of announcements, including Android 12, an all-new Wear OS, Search Expansions and some other moonshot products the company is working on. Joining me to discuss all the news from the Pocket End office is Chris Hall and Cam Bunton. So let's get straight to it because I know we've got a lot to cover. Cam, what's happening in Android 12? I
1: think the more pertinent question is what isn't happening in Android 12. <laughs> it's, um, I mean, it's the short answer is this is probably the biggest design overhaul Android has ever had, at least for the last six, seven years. So everything is changing, um, and a lot of it is down to user customization. So you'll be able to create your own sort of custom color palettes that sort of spread throughout the entire user interface, including with stock phone apps and the messages apps and whatever else comes pre-installed on your Pixel
0: now, Chris, do you think do you think you need more colour in Google? I mean it's always been a very colourful OS anyway, but
2: Well, I think it just gives people more options and it and it kind of makes uh it kind of makes the Pixel more comparable with what you see from other manufacturers. Customization is huge in a lot of the Chinese brands. And the Pixel always has always been famed for this sort of stock Android approach that people have seen as rather safe and fairly pedestrian. And it, it feels to me like this is a big move to try and make Android itself more consumer friendly, to have greater consumer appeal. And that may also be reflected in the future devices that we see from from Google as well, with rumours that Pixel 6 is going to go all out on crazy colours and design. So it could be, this could really mark a sort of change of direction in how Google presents itself.
0: Do you think, Cam, it's one of those things where, you know, One of the things when I saw the announcement, it was very much along the lines of, of a number of operators, manufacturers still put a skin, not as crazy as Sense UI used to be and all those kind of things, but there's yeah. still some sense of customization per manufacturer, isn't there? We've got ColorOS, Harmony OS, eventually coming out, all those kind of things. Do you think this is an idea to try and say, look, there's so much customization here now, you you don't need manufacturers, you don't just take our stock Android, you don't need to dabble and make it colorful because we're doing that for you
1: i think it's it's one of those things that we've seen quite a lot over the years isn't it where uh, other manufacturers third-party oems have done software and added features into software their way and then google sort of goes well that's quite a cool idea i'm going to put that into the stock version as well yeah (laughs) so i mean it happens quite often but this is to have it on a system level and to have this sort of customization as a Is going to make it look vastly different to what we've seen on Pixels before. And I think it'll make it look quite significantly different to the other competitors as well, because they'll eventually have to put their own spin on this too, to make it different from what Google is offering.
2: I think there's another interesting thing that you may have picked up on during the presentations yesterday, which was that um, Google is talking about this as Uh, something that you can apply across all of your Google locations. So this isn't just going to be limited to your Pixel device. They're sort of suggesting that once you have set up your color profile, you'll be able to share that to your Wear watch. You'll be able to have it on your displays that you might have around the home. You may be able to have that rolling into things like Chrome as well. So this is a design through whatever they call it, Material U, Material mm. me, material you. material, you. material you. Yeah, <laughs> and so and and that's going to be able. That's going to allow you to have a sort of cohesion across all of your Google properties everywhere. So every every time you come to anything run by Google, it's going to look and feel the same way. And how do you think do you
0: do you think that's going to be possible from a manufacturer point of view? Do you think they're all going to get on on board? Like will Sam's will we see the Samsung, you know, the next Galaxy? offering the ability for you to change all your color palettes without them getting involved
2: i suspect that some of this will be baked in at a core level and some of it will be adopted so you'll probably just be able to apply some subtle parts of theme that will just flow through to your device and so when you sign in with your google id on a samsung device i think you'll get some of these hints coming through i suspect that samsung will will maintain all of their own controls but over the past few years, we've seen this big shift from people trying to be distinctly different to people becoming more in line and trying to have, you know, more more cohesion with what Android is doing underneath. You know, we've seen this. Samsung has done this. They did it with the with the past um, past range of devices that they did, where they put Google Discover in it. For example, and they've started using Google's phone app and Google's messages app rather than always pushing their own. So I do think that there is a sort of coming together across Android platforms that a lot of these people are actually getting closer together in what they offer.
0: Now, Cam, you've been brave enough, and I'm going to say brave because I've already seen on Twitter a number of people complaining that it's bricked their handsets and all the other stuff because they they also were brave enough to actually download the first iteration, the first dev build of android yeah. 12 on a device how how's that gone and would you recommend it
1: <laughs> no i mean I, we would never recommend i don't think installing the first beta unless you've got a spare pixel lying around that isn't your primary phone um i wouldn't say it's bricked my device but there are certain features that are in there that aren't working yet um like the new widgets that they showed us and a lot of the customization stuff isn't even there yet i don't think we're gonna see it until we're close to the official launch so all this color theming and all the in-depth stuff that sort of transfers between all the stock apps i don't think uh, we're going to see until probably the pixel six is about to launch
0: and on that note chris we we've already seen that the pixel six it's one of those you know google's really bad at keeping a secret there were lines in the code that implied that that is that's confirmed and it's coming
2: yeah there have been a number of uh code names that have been floating around as well as some Uh, model numbers. And once you sort of like pair these things up, you start to get a good idea of what might be coming because model numbers often appear on certification sites as a Google device. And you can slowly pull out these little threads to build up a picture of what's actually coming. I, I, I don't know if it's, you know, Google being bad at keeping a secret. I mean, they did recently come out and confirm that they weren't cancelling a phone, which is the best way to sort of confirmed that they were actually going to be launching it. Um, yeah. They're very aware of rumors and the conversations. And rather than shying away and being completely silent, Google often comes forward and says, yes, this is happening. So if there is a substantial leak, I suspect that Google would then follow up and say, oh, yes, this is coming. It's going to be really exciting because they did that with previous pixels around camera leaks and things like that. Um, so, yeah, there there is some stuff rolling around. And there were a few hints in some of the things that were said at the IO keynote so one of the things they were talking about was the digital car key service that's coming which is going to basically work exactly the same way as Apple's offering because it's a it's going to be an industry wide standard but they did mention, mention ultra wideband which is only available in i think three Samsung phones at the moment right. and so that's a pretty significant hint that Pixel 6 will be coming with ultra wideband as well we fully expect it to it's going to be a standard for security in the future so and I suppose the final
0: cool the final question I have on on Android 12 is obviously we're expecting it to come to the Pixel uh, the six if that when that comes out, but obviously previous Pixels as well. What's the roadmap like for coming to other devices? Is there going to be lots of devices that this is going to work on, and when are we going to see those and, and stuff like that, Chris?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's um, there's a list of partner manufacturers already who have started their own sort of developer preview slash beta. Roll out like OnePlus, and Xiaomi, and Oppo, Realme; those kind of manufacturers. So they're already getting the software out to certain handsets. So hopefully, that means the official release will come fairly soon to those I, after.
2: Yeah, I think I think launch. one of the one of the things to add to that is that for Android eleven, we saw Samsung really change pace on this. Samsung has been the big giant has been really slow on updates in the past, and this year somehow they sort of. They really got a rocket on and managed to update a lot of devices before many of the smaller manufacturers. So they're way ahead of Nokia and Nokia has a lot less work to do. So so yeah, that age old problem of, of a version of Android coming out and then you sit around waiting and waiting and waiting and it never appears, it, it's definitely changing. And Samsung obviously has a big part to play here because Samsung is the biggest individual Android manufacturer out there.
0: Yeah. Now something that is changing, and we're going to change now as well. You see what I've done there, and I slip away into the next segment is Wear OS, or Wear, or effectively just their smartwatch operating system. What's happening on this front, Chris?
2: Well, that's a good question. Wear <laughs> Wear OS.
0: Where are Google- we with Wear
2: OS? <laughs> Google's been referring to it under lots of different names. Uh, over the past 24 hours. It's called Wear. Uh, it's also being called Wear OS. It let's You know what it is. It's the smartwatch platform. The big news is that Google is effectively partnering up with Samsung and its Tizen platform, merging the whole lot together and reinventing the whole thing. And wow. Exactly how we've arrived at this position, I don't know. But for anybody who follows smartwatches, it was fairly obvious that Wear OS wasn't particularly loved not really loved by Google it didn't really have a lot of attention the pixel watch never seemed to appear it's been such a long time before google launched its own watch that it endorsed with wear os on it i think that was back in back in one of the lg watches and you know yeah. we're talking 4 or 5 years ago i think so it's been it's been in a sort of in a wilderness a platform that other manufacturers have used widely but it's never really been uh, appreciated or or talked about in the same way that people have been excited about Apple Watch and and Watch OS. So I think that there's there's a move here to try and boost its popularity to make it more useful. The announcement that Samsung is going to be releasing new watches on this platform is obviously a huge thing. That's going to put a lot of of uh, put a lot of marketing and a lot of uh, yeah, a lot of excitement. Around around it, but the other smaller detail is um, is Fitbit. Google obviously acquired Fitbit fairly recently, and people have been wondering what's going to happen with this. And we finally have this sort of hint that Fitbit smartwatches moving forward are going to be using the same platform. Hopefully, they're not going to sacrifice things like battery life in the pursuit of this, because there is this kind of you know dilemma over whether you go for all singing, all dancing watches that have a fantastic display and do everything but you need to charge them every day or the other end of the scale where it does slightly less it doesn't look quite as good but it'll last you two weeks um exactly how 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 this is going to pan out we don't know
0: how telling do we think it is that that google has said well look, actually we've bought this new operating system we bought this new company fitbit they've got their own smart watch operating system but we're not we don't really fancy using that we don't really fancy using our own one tizen you know with samsung that seems to be more interesting can we just use that but actually we don't like the tizen name or what tizen does so can we just kind of merge it in to kind of make this mishmash of the three it, it's it's strange isn't it
2: it it is it is It is. It's interesting. And it is strange. And it's strange if you look at it from Apple point of view, because, you know, Apple has they have hardware, they have their software, all theirs, all the advantages of being within a single ecosystem, everything works, no problems at all. But Google has always been in this, this position. And Android is another classic example where it's dependent on all of these people using its software as a platform, manufacturing the hardware, and then trying to bring all these pieces together. So, you know, the fact that Google is collaborating and pulling on different threads to to move this forward, it perhaps shouldn't be a surprise, but it's just not the sort of thing that we're used to seeing in the way that technology companies work. You don't have Sony turn around to what appears to be one of its rivals and say, no, actually, maybe we should just do this. So, yeah, it's it's, it's definitely interesting and one to watch.
0: Cam, you you use a lot of smart watches uh, from from on that side of things. How do you think it's going to affect sort of like the fossil watches and and things like that?
1: I think it'll I think it'll improve them. I think one of the interesting things we've seen over the last well, I don't know if it interesting is the right word, but one of the the patterns we've seen over the last year I think is that these manufacturers have almost been forced to build their own sort of fitness and wellness interfaces into these watches, and they're typically they're not very good because they stay on the watch and they don't have a, an app to go on your phone as well. Um, so Google obviously knows that there's a weakness when it comes to the fitness tracking side of it. And it's something that shows whenever we review anything or test anything, there just seems to not be quite as, I don't know, it's, it's it doesn't quite compete with the Apple health sort of Apple fitness workout side of things. So I think adding Fitbit into that has, is certainly something we we would have seen as making sense over the past couple of years since they bought Fitbit. The Samsung side of things is interesting because whenever you read reviews of the Samsung Galaxy Tizen watches, uh, they generally say, this is the watch you should buy if you're an Android user. Don't, don't buy Wear OS. So it's sort of combining those two things, admitting that maybe Wear isn't as good as it should be, and taking on board the stuff that works.
0: Now, do you think, I mean, obviously, the, the, you know, it's no point, I don't think there's any point sort of comparing it to the Apple Watch, because if you're an Android user, you're not going to be interested in the Apple Watch anyway. But do you think it's something that should be concerning to Garmin or are we still just so far ahead, you know, on that side of things that, that there's, no real, there's no real threat from, for them for any of this and building in a, a Fitbit more data and all that kind of stuff?
1: I mean, from my point of view, I don't, uh, I don't see it as the same thing as Garmin, really. Um, Garmin watches typically would last weeks at a time, um, and they are all about the sports data. And so they're for people who are really into tracking and making sure they're, they're doing well on their running or their cycling. Um, it's all about the sort of breadth of data you get in there. I can't imagine um, that Wear OS is, is the same sort of thing. It's, it's just not the same kind of platform.
0: And I suppose, Chris, the final word on this, do you think the changes that they're doing and the approach they're taking is going to work?
2: <laughs> well, we've seen so many changes in the past that haven't worked. Um, it's There's there's so many things that that need to fall into place and exactly how the the new platform is taken by Fitbit users who have had something like a, a Blaze or Ionic or whatever before um, that's going to be a big part of it. How do Fitbit users take to this? Are they going to take? Are they going to take this as a sensible fitness platform with all those smartwatch features, or indeed will they just jump ship and go straight to Garmin because that's still going to be a sports device? Um, I mean, from the Samsung point of view, Samsung and everybody who uses Samsung devices will be very familiar with everything that that Google is doing, so I think that will probably work out quite well. It's just it. It will be interesting to see exactly where. Google is going with this and what they want to get out of it. Do they really want to be in this game or are they just going to provide a software platform and and leave it at there? Will there ever be a Pixel watch? I have no idea.
0: Well, there you go. Right. Now, one of the things that they also used the keynote for was to show us a possible future. And a possible future, according to this, is according to Google, is, is 3D telepresence. It's the idea that uh, a booth that you can uh, called project Starline that will allow you to believe uh, through the wonders of 3D depth sensing and all the other stuff that you're actually sitting opposite the person you're having a conversation with. Um, Cam, do you think they'll be able to pull this off?
1: I mean, it's it's one of those interesting moonshot projects that Google does. Um, I can't imagine it's going to be a, a consumer product or availability anytime soon. But I think it's, it's really interesting in terms of seeing what the future might hold when it comes to catching up with loved ones who live in a completely different time zone um, like some of us do and being able to actually chat to people and almost feel like they're there. Um, Obviously Google's done a lot of research and and stuff in the past in terms of 3D vision and AR so I think this is a really sort of neat way of tying all that expertise together and making it into a product that people could potentially use and find enjoyable it, it definitely looks interesting
0: yeah i mean especially. i think there was a sense there was a sense when i saw the demo I, there was a sense that you felt well they're obviously playing you know it's stringing some some chords of recent news and stuff like that because we've all you know not been able to see loved ones and, and friends and family and colleagues and all the other stuff for the last year anyway through various lockdowns around the world but it it did strike me as very much something that I would expect to see in sort of a, an episode of 24 with Jack Bauer or the president getting a, a briefing, Chris. I know you're a massive Tom Clancy fan. Could you see this turning up in, in the next Tom Clancy movie?
2: <laughs> well, it is. It's very, I mean, as soon as I saw it, I just thought this is so sci-fi. You know, there's been fantasies about holographic communications, virtual boardrooms with people sitting around and the ability to produce an image that is realistic rather than a sort of low-resolution, fuzzy, flat image that we're used to. We're talking about hyper-realism. They're talking about using cameras so that you get the real sense of depth in that so that it feels like the person is in the same room. Um, It's kind of exciting, and I could see high rollers, people with loads and loads of cash saying, I'm going to create one of these. I'm going to put it in my home office so I can talk to my... Lawyer, or my broker, or whoever it is I need to talk to, or put it into a spare room of president. the yacht.
0: I, I, I keep on thinking it's the president every time. Or the, you know, it,
2: yeah, I, I think it's. I mean, it's it's one of those things that Google is really good at saying. Hey, what could we do if we had masses and masses of data and no restrictions with bandwidth? How could we do something that people are going to be interested? And in? this, you know, like building quantum computers and balloons that will go to the moon and all this kind of stuff, this seems to be um, a, a classic Google move. I, I'm sure that someone will be interested in it. I don't think that it's going to be affordable or practical for anybody in the real world for the next probably 15 years.
0: And that's if the project survives that long, because we all know that Google likes to kill yeah. things off very quickly. But I must admit, it was very it was very impressive, and probably from a, a non you know consumer point of view probably one of the things that excited me the most about about the event which is obviously why it was at the end and a designed of like look here is a possible world where you yeah. could, you know pretend to hug people although reading some comments um i think from uh, some other publications about and some people that actually you know been there and tried it, it it does feel like you've got to have that ultimate sweet spot where if you move ever so slightly then the whole Whole uh, curtain is dropped, and you see all the you see the, the the small magician behind the the back of the box. Um. So, Cam, is there? That's what excited me the most, I suppose, about the event. Is is there, what was your big takeaway? If you could take one thing away and go, oh, that I'm looking forward to that. What would it be?
1: I think for me, I mean, obviously being a smartphone user it's the changes in Android 12. I like, I get bored really easily. So whenever something major, new and exciting comes out, I'm like, yes, finally, a new interface to play with. Um, but also the, the privacy changes, probably from a more practical daily point of view, um, the, the privacy built into Android 12 now, which lets you more fine tune what kind of data different apps have about you, um, is something that could make a difference in daily daily life.
0: And that's something we haven't really talked about or covered so far. Is is this is the the passport uh, the password controller system, isn't it? And 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 Google putting privacy more at the focus of of its conversation, which kind of feels like it, it's done that before, but not. This felt like a, a quite a giant leap forward for them.
2: Well, I think what's interesting here is that they. I mean, the password thing is important because the weakest part of everybody's system is the passwords that they're using because everyone uses the same password, one, two, three, four. Um, I wish, like, you know, we all do
0: that, don't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean,
2: And everybody knows that they should be using unique passwords for everything, but how you keep track of that is difficult. Google has its own system, Apple has its own system, and there's loads of other providers that will, will, will do it for you and help you automate it and remember and make life really, really easy for you without compromising your security. So... One of the things that Google wants to do is make this more prevalent. They want to draw people's attention to it um, and, and they want to encourage people to use this system by alerting them to to breaches, security breaches, and that will be when a company is hacked there's a database problem and somebody goes in there and downloads a whole load of data and then starts sending out automated pings to try and see if they can pair up usernames and passwords and all the rest of it which is how a lot of these you know big hacks come about and so that's i mean that's the reason why you need individual passwords for every service that you use so that if there is a leak they only get access to that one thing and not everything that you own So Google will spot these for you, but also provide a system to automatically change those passwords to something random when it happens. And that could be a really, really useful system. So rather than thinking, oh, I've got 250 passwords that I need to change, but I can't be bothered to do it, Google will potentially go through and do it all for you. Um, I haven't had the chance to play with that system. I've used a rival system. I've used LastPass. I'm a big fan of what LastPass is doing. Um, I do think they're really useful, and I think it's really important. So that's a, uh, so that's a, it's a, it's a positive step forward, certainly. And um, also
1: the um the location tracking in um, Android 12 is really interesting too, because you know how on an iPhone or most phones, when you open an app that needs your location and you say yes this one time or yes forever, this one will now allow you to have either a precise location or just an approximate one. So that app can't then go right i know exactly which street you're in what house you're next to it's like well you're somewhere in this general area and they can't pinpoint you which is um it's a really good uh, addition to android 12 i think
0: yeah because sometimes you just want to say well i'm um, i'm in this town you don't necessarily want to say i'm i'm in you know it's always that like just give us your postcode it's like well that narrows me down to about eight houses you know or, or maybe yeah. one side of the street or something and i don't i don't really think you need to know that much
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think for things that aren't maps and navigation, you really don't need that sort of precision level of, of GPS knowledge for anyone. So it's definitely needed, I think.
2: There's been a lot of privacy control sitting in the back of Android for quite a long time and a lot of permissions as well, which people, they get lost within the geekery. And so one of the things that they showed off was a new privacy dashboard, which hopefully will allow people just to open it up, look at it, and then have a much better idea of what what things are without them having to dive through three levels of settings to go and get to everything.
0: Mm. And so, Chris, what was the that might have been the passwords that excited you as well? But what was the the main thing that you the one takeaway that you were like, oh, that looks good?
2: Well, there was something that really uh, that was really stuck in my mind that I know has been a problem, and we haven't spoken about it so far, and that's a change coming to the camera and Google pointed out that one of the big problems that they have with cameras is that they have a bias towards particular skin tones. And Mm -hmm. you'll have seen this. If you have someone with dark skin standing next to someone with light skin, often the camera will balance the photo so that the the light skin looks in balance. And that often means for the person with the darkest skin, there is no definition. They just sort of disappear into the into the gloom, into the background, and that obviously is not right. You can understand where it sort of comes from because it, it's a system that wasn't designed for skin tones. It was designed for other things. You know, it was about making sure that highlights in an image in a scene aren't mm-hmm. overexposed. And so Google is having a very detailed look at cameras and how they recognise skin tones, so that when you take a picture and you have people with different skin tones in it or if you're just taking a picture that has you know if you're just taking a picture with black people in it then those their skin tones are properly exposed rather than it being a system that's skewed because that camera ai was originally trained on a completely different set of scenarios i think this is really interesting because it you know we talk about accuracy we talk about what color's the sky and what color's the grass but the 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 big problem is that we're often overlooking the people who are actually appearing in the photos and not doing yeah. everything that we can to make sure that those people look the way that they should so that really sort of stuck with me and i think this is going to be really interesting to see how it how it how it plays out and hopefully you know we've seen all of these things in the past where some sensors don't recognize darker skin tones and you know you know some fingerprint scanners don't work per properly and all of this kind of stuff and so you know it's it's a big move and it's something that we should be talking about and should be highlighted and hopefully means that everybody gets better photos
1: it's something i mean it's like Chris said isn't it? it's from the old days of camera you're you're talking about something balancing against exposure and obviously if you've got paler skin tone your your skin can look easily look overexposed if there's too much light so it just bases it on the highlights. So it's good that they're using their sort of AI in camera and their knowledge that they've used over the last few years to do something that will actually make everybody's uh, photos look good.
0: Cool. And I think the final question is uh, for both of you is uh, this is obviously a developer preview. This is a developer conference. When are we, do we have any dates of any nature of, of when we'll start to see some of the announcements become a reality?
1: um well they didn't give a specific date for the official launch but usually the they're they're ready by sort of september october time just as we're getting into the holiday season it's sort of the typical release cycle but the public beta for android is actually available now for everyone who's got a pixel phone at least
0: that's it for this week's show thanks for listening until next time pip pip